I'm Sasha Goff. I'm Tammy Goff. And this is Will It Fly, a podcast where we watch the first episode of a TV series and let you know whether or not we think it's worth watching. So you don't have to. Because it's all about you. It's all about you, baby. So what are we doing this week? We're doing Kitchen Nightmares. Yes! What does IMDb say about Kitchen Nightmares? Gordon Ramsay visits struggling restaurants across America and spends one week trying to help them become successful. Successful. Yes. Yeah, cool. That's the best one they've done so far, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that encapsulates the entire thing. I gotta say, since doing this, I don't trust IMDb with their descriptions anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, every time I go to look something up, I'm like, is that really what it's about? <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so Wikipedia. Kitchen Nightmares is based on the UK show, of course, because we don't get nice things. We don't we can't have nice things in the US. And Gordon Ramsay is from England, so right. that stands to reason that's where he would start. Which, by the way, I watched the British version of Kitchen Nightmares before I watched the US version. And I don't know if I'm just an Anglophile or what, but I like the British version better. <laughs> there, I've said it. <laughs> Um, so in the UK, it's called Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares, but in the US, it's just Kitchen Nightmares, premiered on September 19th of 2007 on Fox. The final show was September 12th of 2014. It's currently streaming on Hulu. It's also on Channel 4 in the UK as Kitchen Nightmares USA and or Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares USA. And in the UK, it airs uncensored. So I guess they get the, all the fucks and the bloody hells and all the curse words, the goddams and that would make sense. All that good stuff. Because they're not prudes over there like we are here. <laughs> there were seven total seasons with 92 episodes. Now, this is what Wikipedia told me. The opening theme is Miser Lou. And I went, Miser Lou? I'm like, okay. So I clicked on the blue link because it wasn't spelled like Miserloo, like you and I would know Miserloo. Right. And because it was spelled M-I-S-I-R-L-O-U. Okay. And the Miserloo we know is M-I-S-E-R-L-O-U. But it's from an Eastern Mediterranean region, the song Miserloo. And I played the like Eastern Mediterranean version of it. And it sounds just like it, but it's like with sitars and and shit like that it's really cool because it's okay. not like surf music right yeah. but in the u.s dick dale popularized it in the 60s late 60s as a surf song it was used in pulp fiction um mr lou is also sampled by the black eyed peas in their song pump it mm -hmm. so several lawsuits were filed not several but two lawsuits were filed against kitchen nightmares in 2007 and 2018 the 2007 case has something to do with the restaurant in the second episode. Like they said that he planted stuff and made it look worse than it was and blah, blah, blah. Gotcha. And then the one in 2018 was because the production company posted clips of the restaurant on Facebook when they were under contract to not reuse the clips. Ooh. So um, the first one, 2007, went to arbitration. I didn't look further on the 2018 one because I really didn't care. Hmm. But episode one is about Peter's. Yep. Peter's Italian restaurant. Yep. 
So it starts by explaining Gordon Ramsay has spent the past three years whipping chefs into shape on a hit TV show called Hell's Kitchen, which I love Kitchen Nightmares, but Hell's Kitchen is my shit. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I watched maybe half a season of that. I was just like, assholes, listen to the man. Are you are you stupid? <laughs> don't make risotto. <laughs> it's not gonna work. Yeah, every time they try to do something like that, I'm like, oh, you know he's gonna hate that man. <laughs> So he has multiple restaurants across the globe, and now he's ready to take on the most difficult task of his career, turning around America's kitchen nightmares. Each week, he'll go to a restaurant on the brink of disaster and get these restaurants back on track by not holding back. The narrator says it'll be intense, emotional, and it will be shocking. As the narrator is talking, they're showing different moments from the show, and they're just screaming at each other. There's people fighting in the front of the restaurant. Like, it immediately sucks you in. You're like, okay, where is this going? I have to back up because in the narration, after they say that he spent the last three years whipping aspiring chefs into shape, where they show him slamming a plate into a guy's stomach and then (laughs) basically just yelling at everyone, they call him the most successful restaurateur on the planet. Is that accurate, though? I think he is like one of the most. They're not Golden Globes. What are those called? Michelin stars. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, but he I don't know that he's the most successful. How do you quantify the most successful? Not one of the, but the, the most successful restaurateur. You know, I don't know. Because I'm sure there's a lot of people we don't know out there who are also really hella successful. Right. They're just not on a show yelling at people. Anyhow. The thing that I took from the opening was when they show him yelling at people and uh, Kitchen Nightmare stuff. I have some quotes. I have never, ever, ever, ever met someone who I believe in as little as you. (laughs) That's nice. Touch the wall, you dirty pig. (laughs) What do we need? A death in the restaurant before some bleep gets a grip. (laughs) And then just. Playing out, I thought your food was crap. <laughs> awesome. Not holding back. Yeah. So the theme song you said was Miserloo, but the closed caption, I don't know if you saw it, said it was aggressive surf music. Yeah, and that's I have right um I have written down opening song is not Miserloo. No. No, not even close. No, it's not. So whoever edited that Wikipedia article was completely wrong. Right. So it's this aggressive surf music that is playing and he's up against a bullseye like like a circus show and they're throwing knives at him and he finally catches one and starts sharpening it and then it says kitchen nightmares. And then they show a montage of what's going to happen on this episode. Yep. Which is a lot of yelling. Yeah. It's most most of what's happening. Like, I'm not going to go into all of the arguing that they have with each other. Yeah, no. But they do a lot of yelling at each other. A lot of yelling, a lot of arguing, a lot of fighting. I think a lot of steroids. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it. So on today's episode, he's going to an old Italian eatery to find a family and restaurant in crisis. Tina, the owner, is a wreck and her brother doesn't seem to care. The other people who work there describe him as a big baby and a lunatic. With only one week to turn it around, Gordon must pull the family together, but it'll be a challenge. The chef is worn down and the kitchen's worn out. The manager is a tyrant and the staff is ready to throw in the towel. Can Gordon reunite this restaurant and get their house back in order? The world may never know. (laughs) 
So they're in a place called Babylon, New York, which is home to a ton of Italian restaurants. It's Babylon, New York is a quaint village on the southern shore of Long Island. Yep. So these guys really could have been on Jersey Shore. I mean, that's Truly. the whole thing. As as I was watching it, I'm like, oh, okay, she could be snooky. Right. <laughs> He's definitely Mike the situation. <laughs> he was a mix of Mike and Ronnie. He, he was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. So Tina, the owner of the restaurant, says that she's all over the place at her own admission. No one knows that she's the owner. They all think that her brother Peter is the owner, which makes sense because it's called Peter's. Right. But he's a douchebag that yeah. thinks he's a gangster and does nothing. And I put GTL question mark. Right. <laughs> That's definitely what he's doing in his free time. And on work time, too, probably. Right. So I don't know if it was just the editing, but they show him doing absolutely nothing. He's sitting there, sitting at tables, talking to people, asking for drinks. Like, he's not paying any attention to what's going on around him. Yeah. And I have written down here. That the dad says, and this this really jumped out at me. I watched this before. Mm-hmm. So this is when I took notes was like my third or fourth time watching it. But this really jumped out at me. The dad says, we're a close family. It's a family business. You understand? And I'm like, what kind of family? You know, are we like talking La Cosa Nostra? (laughs) Are we in Godfather territory here? The sous chef says that he thinks that Peter thinks he's from Goodfellas. Right. And Sue, the sous chef also thinks that Peter is the problem. I'm like, you think? Yeah, a little bit. So Peter says that he's Italian and that he yells, but two minutes later, he's over it. And all I could think was, oh, my God, you are such an abusive, Mm -hmm. aggressive asshole. Yep. Don't blame it on being Italian. You're just a dick. Right, exactly. And he takes full advantage of the restaurant. Yep. He's more concerned with his looks and his stuff. And at one point, he looks at the camera with a smile and says, yeah, I bought a suit instead of buying a stove. Why would you be proud of that? Because he's a dick. Yeah. Or it's for the show. I mean, I kind of, you know, we know that these reality shows are scripted a lot of time. Mm -hmm. So I kind of go back and forth between, is he really that much of a dick? Or did they just zhuzh up the show with the dickiness? Right. And make him say stuff that, you know, maybe he wouldn't have said. But I I think he's just a dick. So Robert, the head chef, says that the tools they have in the kitchen right now need to be sharpened. And then Tina says that there's three ovens down and they don't have a working broiler. Now, how are you running an Italian restaurant without three ovens and a broiler? How are you running any restaurant with like a half an oven and no broiler? Then they show them fighting in the kitchen. And Tina says, I'm about to have a nervous breakdown of a goddamn candle holder. (laughs) Tina, I feel you. Peter says that the restaurant isn't making the money that it used to be making. And they're getting phone calls about bills. And Tina thinks the business is at a pivotal point. She doesn't want to lose a place that's not her in her heart. So we get a recap of what we just saw by Gordon Ramsay, and he walks towards the road and he says he's waiting for a ride from Peter to be picked up. And then he ends up sitting there for an hour. And did he really sit there for an hour or are they exaggerating? That's kind of where I was going like, eh, maybe because Peter is a douchebag. But really, I wouldn't leave Gordon Ramsay sitting for an hour. No. And, and you know damn well Gordon Ramsay would. You forget there's a production team there. Right. They're going to hop in the van and go find them. Right. 
So Peter says it's like he's met Superman when Gordon arrives and they take him back to the restaurant and Peter introduces Gordon to the family. And Yogi, the father, says that when he first met him, he didn't know how to take him, especially with his hair messed up. He said he looked like one of those crazy foreigners. Yeah, I'm like, do not make fun of my boy's hair. Right. It's gorgeous. Golden locks. Exactly. Gordon asks if the restaurant is Peter's. Right. To Peter. And Peter goes, yeah, well, it's my name. <laughs> but it's that, and that's part of the problem is it's Tina's restaurant. Yeah. And you know, the whole time, the whole time I'm watching this, watching those parents stand there and let this asshole do what he does and not step in and not say anything. And in the back of my head, I'm going, oompa, loompa, doopa dee doo. Yep. Because he's a spoiled, rotten brat. And that's what you get. Yep. What do you get when your kid is a brat? brat. <laughs> so a failing restaurant. That's what you get. <laughs> So the, this is when they introduce Robert and then Peter brings up his friends, Jerry and Jerry, and says that if they don't like the food, they go back and beat the crap out of the, the chefs. I didn't. I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When he was introducing Gordon around, he introduced him to all the family and then he brought up his friends, Jerry and Jerry. And if they don't like the food, they go back and they rough them up a little bit. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And Gordon goes. I feel honored. I've been introduced to the mob. <laughs> and then he says something else. And then he goes, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> of course, since we had the censored version, it's beep me. But, right. you know, it's fuck me because he says that all the time. Right. Fuck me. So it's time for Gordon to order his food. And he orders crab cake and lobster ravioli, which seems like it should be a staple for an Italian restaurant. If you can't make those things. Don't try. Yeah. And. And. So he asked Angelo, are these crab cakes homemade? And Angelo, the, the head server, says, oh, yeah, they're, they're homemade. So before he even tastes it, because, you know, before he even tastes it in my head, I'm like, OK, we know it's going to be frozen mm -hmm. and we know they're going to be mostly filler and not real crab. Mm -hmm. And we also know that they're cold inside. Yep. And of course, all that came through. Yep. And his salad was rotten. The salad was rotten. How do you, and that's where I call bullshit on this, because would you really send all that nastiness out to Gordon Ramsay? Or do you just do that because of the show? I have no idea, because that seems asinine to me. If I was cooking for Gordon Ramsay, like maybe they told him not to tell him which plate was Gordon's or whatever. It could be. But I would make sure that every single plate in that restaurant that goes out is primo perfect right so he has angelo take the plate back to the kitchen and angelo is full of sass and attitude <laughs> and goes back there and starts talking about how he's made to look bad and all of this other stuff and i was like if i was a waitress i would never speak to the head chef that way are you kidding me well no and and here's the other thing is angelo's not the one that looks dumb right Angelo, well, first, well, he told him it was homemade. Right. That was on him. Right. He should have known that it was from Restaurant Depot, like the lobster ravioli. Right. But he it, he didn't look stupid. The kitchen looked stupid. Right. So bring it down a notch, Angelo. <laughs> so speaking of lobster ravioli, Robert has no good feeling about sending out the lobster ravioli. He says he's going to knock it. And that's exactly what Gordon does. I don't even think he put it in his mouth. He opened up hey. one of the raviolis, pulled out the meat inside and said it looked like baby food, baby food and gunk. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, 
Um, do you have enough parsley on this thing? Right. So Angelo goes back and he's like, you put half a pound of parsley on it. So then the sous chef John starts yelling. Right. Complete chaos in the kitchen. (laughs) It's just, and then what's his face? Peter goes back into the kitchen and now you hear plates breaking. And and Gordon's sitting there looking at the camera like, the fuck is going on in there? Right. So Peter comes out to talk to Gordon and Gordon asks what's going on. And Peter explains that John is upset about Gordon's complaint about the parsley. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes into the kitchen to defuse the fight. And that's when the plates start breaking. <laughs> nice job, Peter. So now that Gordon has eaten the food, he's going to have to discuss with the family. Gordon says that he likes to hear the truth. And the quicker they can get to the truth, the quicker they can help him. And then just cacophony. Yes. Because it's Tina and Peter talking over each other. And then the mom jumps in and then they start yelling at the mom. And I'm just like, what the hell? And you can see, like, my face is exactly what Gordon and Robert have on their faces. Like, what's going on right now? What is this? And Gordon's only response to this is, fuck me. (laughs) Fuck me. So it's the start of day two, and the narrator says that Gordon has realized their special is arguing. (laughs) I didn't write that down. (laughs) Gordon starts to inspect the kitchen and coolers. In the cooler, he finds old bread that he knocks against the side of the the shelving. Yeah, and this is what he says. He goes, bloody hell. (laughs) And then he finds rotten and moldy vegetables because the fridge is not up to temp. And the old food has gone bad. And the onions are growing onions. Yes. And the fridge is leaking water. And I don't know what it was, but something looks like camel turds. <laughs> I don't, he goes, this looks like a camel turd. I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what that is. Is it supposed to be a mushroom? Right. What is that, a stuffed portobello? What the hell is that? Then he pulls up. It looks like a stack of eggplant and grilled peppers and onions yeah it looked on like a it was, skewer yeah like a ratatouille on a skewer it, it, kind exa- of a thing well very good call but it was all slimy and gross and nasty and i'm like you motherfuckers knew gordon ramsay was coming to your place you don't think you clean out the walk-in right and that's kind of why it led me to believe that that salad might actually be rotten because their vegetables are rotten because they don't have a fridge that's up to temp true and that was the first thing he said was when he opened, opened the walk and he's like, this fridge is warm. Right. So Peter was late. Of course. And he finally shows up and Gordon doesn't seem to care why he was late. He just wants to show him the walk in. And he asked Peter the last time he was in there and he goes, well, I had a hot flash last week. <laughs> Gordon's like, what, is, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I got really hot. <laughs> So they walk in and Gordon grabs a pot of something old and he tells Peter that he could be famous in the next 24 hours for poisoning the entire city of Babylon with his food. I think it was some kind of pasta. It had to be. And it, it is nasty. He said fuck. it was at least four weeks old because of the amount of mold that was on it. Ugh. And then he tries to get them to smell it. Yeah, he and passes he tells it them, around. He says, you ought to be fucking ashamed. <laughs> So Peter's like, this is something the chef should be dealing with. And Gordon's like, this is your restaurant. It's something you should be concerned with. Yeah, that's the thing that got me about this kid is that he just totally no responsibility for anything at all. Everything was somebody else's mistake or responsibility or, you know, ugh. In a testimonial, Peter says it's like being told that your kid is ugly. But then they talked to uh, John, the sous chef. 
And he says the walk-in box is an example of how they all felt. Yep. Nice metaphor. Yep. <laughs> so Peter starts acting out and complaining that everything is his fault. Then he starts listing off tragedies yeah. like 9-11 and Katrina as if they were somehow also his fault. Yeah. Just being an absolutely ridiculous. Total dick. Gordon tells him to stop acting like a baby. That sets Peter off and they start to argue. Uh-huh. Gordon says that he just wants to see the place clean. And Peter tells the kitchen staff to clean the walk-in. He says, please clean this. You're embarrassing me. You're embarrassing, You're embarrassing yourself. yourself, dick. Yeah. Ugh. He, then, then he's walking up front with his cappuccino in hand and says, this is unbelievable. No, it's totally believable. And that's as the kitchen staff is cleaning. Like, yeah, he's, he's not doing anything to help. No. He, he's, he's, you know, he's too cool for that, apparently. Right. John, the sous chef, says that Peter is the core problem of the restaurant's dysfunction and he isn't concerned about anything but himself. So the kitchen's finally clean and now Gordon gets to watch their dinner service in action. Gordon and Peter are talking at the host stand and they're discussing the fact that there's no reservations for the night. And Peter says that the business is hurting right now and he might have to sell his watch. So Gordon, he asked Gordon if he's got 20 bucks, referring to the fact that he wants Gordon to buy his watch, watch for and 20 bucks. And he's like, I knew it was fake. <laughs> and you would have thought he called Peter's kid ugly again. He was like, that's not fake. He, Peter says that the only thing on him is fake is his teeth. They're bleached. Right. So then he explains to Gordon how he gets his teeth bleached and Gordon asks how much that costs. And he's like, it's like about a thousand dollars. Right. A thousand dollars a visit. And, you know, he doesn't just go once. Right. Gordon looks at him and goes, I just brush mine twice a day. Right. (laughs) And he'd rather spend that money on a stove. Exactly. (laughs) At that point, I would just melt him to the floor. Right. I mean, don't you see how ridiculous you are at that point? Right. So Robert says it's been too long since he had a functioning equipment in his kitchen. It bothers him, but there's nothing he can do about it because it's not his restaurant. Gordon asks what doesn't work, and Robert explains that one entire stovetop, three stoves, and the broiler don't work. And then they use one of the stoves as extra storage for their towels. <laughs> Which is gross. Like, I doubt they cleaned the stove oh, before yeah, they no, put the, the towels in the stove wasn't cleaned. You know it wasn't cleaned. Ain't nothing in that fucking no. restaurant been cleaned until that day. So Gordon asks when the last time they got new equipment was, and Robert says that they haven't put a nickel into this place. So Gordon observes that Peter seems more proud of his car than his restaurant. Angelo, the waiter, says that the kitchen is like the heart of a restaurant, and when there's a clogged artery, there's going to be a problem. The narrator says that with most of the kitchen equipment not working, it's virtually impossible for the chefs to do their job, and their frustration is being felt by the staff. Tina says that there's a chaotic night. She has Robert screaming, She says he's an excellent chef, but he's crazy. Meanwhile, on the floor, Peter is comping people for drinks for their weight. And Gordon asks if the doctor, there's a doctor sitting at a table. And Gordon asks if the doctor is getting comped as well. And at this point, Peter explains that he doesn't make the doctor pay because he takes care of him. He comps the doctor his entire meal and however many bottles of wine he wants to drink. Right. And he's giving him bottles of wine. It's not like the doctor's just asking for bottles of wine. He just keeps sending bottles of wine to the table. And you know, the food sucks. So the doctor's only there for the wine. Right. And the fact that it's free. (laughs) And Gordon's like, my doctor gets paid enough. You don't need to do that. Exactly. He doesn't. He charges his doctor. He doesn't comp his doctor. And then Gordon asks him, so when you comp these things, is it coming out of your pocket or is it coming out of the business? And Peter says the free stuff comes off the top. 
Yep. Because it's just a business expense. Which is what they say in The Godfather. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Speaking of The Godfather, a, I have quotes around it every time, Bill, Bill Collector, Collector shows up and Peter loses his friggin' mind. Uh-huh. Ugh. So the Bill Collector asks Peter if he has a minute and Peter's like, I don't. And then the Bill Collector basically tells him when he has a minute, they need to talk. So the bill collector calls Peter a tough guy and Peter tells the bill collector to go fuck himself. <laughs> and now the bill collector and Peter are fighting outside of the restaurant and people can see them talking. Talking, fighting. Fighting, yeah. <laughs> so the bill collector is telling Peter to put his hands on him and let him start the fight. The bill collector's like, our friendship is over. <laughs> After Peter's fight, Gordon checks on Tina. Gordon asks her how she manages and Tina says she's motivated by all the nice people that come through. But other than that, she's having a breakdown. Gordon asks her her biggest frustration and Tina says that from her brother to the kitchen, it's kind of a free for all and everyone is just going to do what they want. Right. And then she starts talking about Peter taking his paycheck out when he doesn't do any work and Mm -hmm. she's not even breaking even and he's taking money out of the restaurant. Yeah. So Gordon asks how much longer she can keep doing that. And she said that the restaurant can't do that anymore and she'd sooner sell her business. She says she's not a martyr, but she feels like she's doing it on her own. She says that's the part about it that she resents, and that's not fair. Right. She's carrying the burden for the family. Right. And if the restaurant goes under, she'll lose her house. Right. So Gordon's like, that's the point of a family business is that everyone in the family is working within to make it successful. Not one person carrying the burden. Right. So we're on to day three, and it's the perfect time for Gordon to give the family a wake-up call. Today, they're going to renew their commitment to the restaurant. They're going to make it more family-friendly than it ever has been before. To do this, Gordon is going to make Peter and his father cook in the kitchen, which as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. Peter is very concerned. Yes. But everyone's laughing because they know it's going to be a total shit show. Right. And Tina and Mom are going to run the dining room. Which Tina does anyway. Right. But Mom doesn't do shit. No. So next we see John, the sous chef, and he says that Peter eats out a lot. So he assumes he knows about cooking in restaurants, but he really has no clue about what goes on in the kitchen. And I said, thank you, Captain Obvious. (laughs) So Gordon, he sets them up to fail, really, because he packs the dining room with people. Right. The stove doesn't work. Peter's asking his mom for an espresso. Espresso, by the way. Both of them said espresso. And that bothered me. So I'm going to say it correctly. It's espresso. <laughs> That's what the foot, the, the footnotes. That's what the closed captioning said. That's how you're supposed to say it. Espresso. So Peter asks his mom for an espresso. Tina says, make it yourself. Peter says, I just want my mom to get me an espresso. And Gordon goes, espresso? <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> So Tina comes back to say that they have their first order and Peter immediately starts to have a meltdown, asking for different ingredients, not knowing where they are. And he's upset that apparently things haven't been set up for him. Like they were going to know what his first order was and just baby step him through it. Yeah. What do you expect? The mise en place? I mean, come on, dude. Right. Well, then Peter realizes that none of the ovens work. So he's like, I want a working oven. And now he's dealing with the things that the kitchen staff have been dealing Uh with. He has no idea what's going on or where anything is. He's one of those typical guys like, it doesn't matter until it happens to me. Right. Dick. So apparently someone hasn't gotten their appetizer yet because he hasn't made it. 
and he offers to make them dessert instead for free. (laughs) I didn't ask for dessert. I asked for an appetizer because I'm hungry now, not after my meal. Currently, now I am hungry. And uh, John, the sous chef, says Peter's a 250 pound spoiled baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oompa Loompas. Okay. Peter the sous chef is our Oompa Loompa in this episode. (laughs) So Gordon steps out of the restaurant and says, and I quote, that put the cats among the pigeons. Yeah, I was like, put the cat amongst the pigeons. That's got to be a very English thing that I'm not aware of because I don't. That one doesn't translate well to us Americans. I don't know what he means by that. Peter has now gotten a taste of his own medicine and he sees how difficult it can be working in the kitchen where nothing actually works. Gordon says this is embarrassing. So an hour into lunch, there's still no food coming out of the kitchen. We do, go, do you realize how long that is? An hour. These people have been sitting in the dining room for an hour with no food. What the fuck are they doing in the kitchen? Well... <laughs> They burnt the chicken and nothing is going well. (laughs) Peter says they couldn't handle it and he wants to hide. (laughs) You can't hide, Peter. He also wants Tina to stop what she's doing and get him some orange juice. (laughs) Yeah. And Gordon hates that idea. He steps in and he goes, if you want her to stop what she's doing and get you some orange juice. And he's like, well, is there someone who's available to get me orange juice? Gordon goes, look at me. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Peter goes, I beg your pardon. And Robert's like, ooh. Angela says it's the first time someone stepped up to Peter and told him not to act like the king because he's got nothing. Gordon kicks Peter off the line and has Robert step back in. And now Gordon has proved his point. He realizes he has to do something quickly before the relaunch. Robert says that Gordon attacked Peter in the right way because Peter is trying to act like a big shot. I love it. Gordon keeps calling him big boy. (laughs) (laughs) We're on to day four. And although Peter's work ethic has been disappointing, Gordon is ready to implement the next step of his plan. Gordon says the one thing that needs to take place in the kitchen is commitment. He takes everyone through the kitchen and shows them a new kitchen setup. They worked overnight to give them a proper kitchen. They're all blown away. They're all so excited, you know, and I would be too if I were them, you know. Yeah, and those are gorgeous ovens. Yeah, he spared no expense. Yeah, no. And also got them a new refrigerator. And new plates. Yeah. He, he, gave, it, he gave them a lot of nice stuff. Truly a proper kitchen. Yes. Tina says that she thinks that everyone was beginning to lose steam and Gordon brought them back to a sunny day. Robert says it's a real good thing and now he has a kitchen that he can do the right thing. John says the opportunity comes with responsibility and he's given them what they've asked for. Now they're responsible to use it respectfully, mm-hmm. which I think is a good point. Yep. So now it's time to talk menu changes. He wants to change to family style dining. Simple, stunning, classic. Yes. Robert says that the new menu is revitalizing. Gordon points out that there are six or seven Italian restaurants in Babylon. And the one thing that can separate them from the others is running it like a true family restaurant. So then he introduces some new dishes. First, he redid the lobster ravioli. He added a penne lasagna, a grilled flank steak, capellini and rochetta, which I don't know what that is. I know capellini is a type of new pasta. Rochetta, maybe 
cheese. That sounds uh, like a cheese. Yeah. And then porchetta, which is pork. And it just looks so tasty. It looked delicious. I wanted to dig into that. With a new kitchen, redesigned menu, and a new strategy that reaches out to families, they're ready to attempt their relaunch. With doors about to open, Gordon gathers the staff for a quick chat. Gordon says that tonight is a crucial night. And as they're discussing that, another bill collector's at the door. Bill collector, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right. So a bill collector opens the door and asks if now is a good time. And Gordon says that he's interfering and tells the bill collector to go away. (laughs) There's so many other ways he could have said that, but go away was the most condescending thing he could have thrown at that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's totally Gordon Ramsay. He's like, (laughs) you're in You're. This is my shit now. Right. You need to go the fuck away. So the bill collector didn't like that and tells Gordon Ramsay not to worry about him and that he's talking to Peter. And they continue to go back and forth and Gordon tries to make him go away again. And the bill collector is certain that he has to talk to Peter in this moment. Peter starts to escalate things and takes off his shirt to fight. And then Gordon is trying to calm down and relax Peter. But the bill collector walks out the door and Peter and calls Peter a tough guy and knocks his dad down. Yep. That's when Peter lost his mind. Right. So Peter pushes his way out the door and begins to yell loudly at the bill collector. Everyone is basically out there trying to hold Peter back and get the bill collector out of there. (laughs) After all of their done arguing and they're starting to calm down and the guy is driven away, Yogi, the father, goes, you're embarrassing me. You know, the whole dynamic between those two. Oh, God, I can't. That all that toxic masculinity just mm-hmm. all on display and the generational toxic masculinity. Yeah. And the fact that and, and you heard it, Peter said it before, you're embarrassing me. He said that to the kitchen staff, and then the dad said it to Peter. Yep. So the shit's just rolling downhill. Yep. It's disgusting. So Gordon calls him coffee boy and gets him inside. <laughs> <laughs> I love his little names. So Peter's standing in the kitchen yelling some more and he's got a meat tenderizer in his hand and he starts beating up the new stuff that he just got. (laughs) It was a mallet, right? Yeah. Gordon takes Peter out for some fresh air and they're taking a walk and he asks Peter what's going on. And Peter says that he shouldn't have been in the business and that he didn't like the way the guy spoke to Gordon. Gordon just continues to get him to relax and calm him down. They finally make their way back and it's five minutes before service and Gordon is talking to the staff again. He tells them to use this as an opportunity to show off how good they can be. Right. He uses we, which I appreciate because he's put himself in. He's bought in. He's got skin in the game. Right. So they're an hour into the dinner service and the restaurant has not been this full in seven years. They just had a 14 top arrive. Peter's walking around the restaurant asking for drinks like cranberry and seltzer and asking Tina for throat lozenges and not doing anything still. He's being classic Peter. I just says Peter's still being a baby. Right. Angelo says that Peter needs to step up because he's in la la land. And the staff or the, the kitchen staff is kind of getting into the weeds because they don't know their new stuff. Right. They're used to working with all this old janky equipment that the new stuff is throwing them for a loop. Right. So instead of helping, Peter walks back into the kitchen and starts eating a thing of baked clams that were sitting on the The expediter shelf. The expediting shelf. Yeah. So Gordon walks back in and he asks what's going on. And Angelo is like, should I come back next week for the baked clams or should I go to the next restaurant over and see if they have baked clams? I don't know if they 
edited this way, but there is someone out in the restaurant who's like been waiting for a really long time for their baked clams and right. they're asking about it and they just showed him eating that guy's baked clams. Yeah. Everything seems to be going well, but Peter says that it's really difficult and that his legs hurt and that it was worse than going to the gym. I wanted to smack him at that point. I'm like, your legs should hurt every night, you motherfucker. Right. That's what working in a restaurant is. Right. This shift is not new to you. You've done this shift before. So if your legs hurt and you've been working at this restaurant for 15 plus years, you've not done anything. But in the meantime, they show mom and dad and Peter sitting at a table and Peter asks for a cappuccino with two equals. <laughs> oh, God, I just I can't. What a total dick. And meanwhile, Tina's is the only one in the family. Who's working. Right. So when Gordon comes up to Peter, Peter starts to take it out on the staff in front of customers. So he starts comping people of bottles of wine again, but he says it's for the waitress's comedy of errors. And the waitress is talking about how difficult it is not to take that personally when he's yelling at her in front of customers. Well, and the thing was, the table that he comped the wine to, he was like, has nobody come over here yet? And then he pointed out that girl, her, her name was Nicole. Mm-hmm. And said, take care of this table. And she's like, it's not my table. Right. But he made her take care of it and then blamed her for them not getting their food. Right. Ugh. So now she's in the kitchen crying and explaining that her customers have even said that Peter is hard on her. Peter is like, how have I been hard on you? That's ridiculous. Peter is being completely insensitive and refusing to take accountability for his actions. Gaslighter. Yep. He says it looks like she's having a meltdown, which is just male code for a woman is crying. And then he goes, he calls her a fucking moron. Yep. Meanwhile, Gordon is like rubbing her shoulder and telling her that it's going to be okay. And at that point, if I were Peter, I would look at Gordon, who is known for yelling at people and actually calling them morons. Right. Telling this girl that she's doing just fine. And he tells her that she's embarrassing him. Ugh. You're embarrassing yourself, asshole. He walks away and says, oh, my God, I've never seen something like this. (laughs) <laughs> About the girl crying. Oh, my God. I'm sure you've made plenty of women cry, sir. Ugh. So with satisfied customers, they consider at the night a success despite Peter. Gordon tells Peter that the place was a success, but now he's pissed through his hands, which I thought was a funny way to say that. Because of neglect. Right. Peter's response is, it is what it is. I hate that saying. And the fact that he says it that way, like he's had no heart and bringing that restaurant to its knees yep gordon starts yelling at peter and then they pan over to robert and robert's just grinning ear to ear like a kid in a candy store so he goes off about how peter was eating he goes that's not how i run my fucking business and peter says he had personal problems and gordon goes we all have problems and then he says that peter is the problem with the restaurant And then Peter says he's nuts, this guy. But Gordon keeps going. Well, Gordon, first of all, Gordon agreed that he was nuts. He did not dispute that in any way. Gordon thinks he's nuts himself? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate that. Peter says, listen to me. And Gordon stops him and he's like, you sound like you're out of the Godfather. And you can see it kind of on Peter's face where he's like embarrassed that he got called out for quoting the Godfather. Yeah. But also he thinks that he is that cool. Yeah. And then he tells Peter he's not pulling his weight and that he's not fucking good enough and says, 
I think this place would run better without you. Which is a punch in the face that Peter needed. Right. So Peter eventually says that he doesn't disagree that he's probably the problem. Well, Gordon tells him to go home and think about what he's going to put back into the business. Yeah. And then Peter says he's never speechless, but he doesn't know what to say. And then he says he's hurt. But then he realizes that Gordon's telling him what everyone else wanted to tell him, but didn't. Yep. Which, in all honesty, if this is a for real kind of come to Jesus moment for him, good for him. Right. That he he saw the light. Right. Because then he ends up saying that Gordon is right and he'll be back to do what's right for the business. Right. And he does. The next morning he calls in about the walk-in cooler. And the first thing I thought was, how the fuck are you going to pay for it? Right. Well, maybe they made enough money overnight to fix the, because they had enough, they had quite a few few people. There were 200 customers. I don't know that that's going to pay for a walk-in cooler, but No, still. I don't think so either, but especially when he's comping wine left and right, but yeah. I guess he's going to work out some kind of a payment plan and he's going to have a bill collector coming to the door. <laughs> right. Fighting in the street. Robert says that he's shocked at Peter's initiative to put in the walk-in cooler. And now with a new kitchen, Robert and John have a new attitude. Both Gordon and Tina agree that the family-style serving is working for them. And with word of mouth spreading, profits are soaring. And Tina says, everything's going so well. (laughs) (laughs) So to reach out to the community, Peter is hosting the first Babylon Family Day event. There's a ton of people running around and playing and they're feeding them lasagna and Gordon and Peter are messing around on inflatable slime. And to make the relaunch complete, Peter thinks that the restaurant needs one more thing to be christened by a priest. He brings in the priest and the priest does his thing and then he gives the priest a hug because Peter likes to hug people. (laughs) In the weeks ahead, Peter was more helpful. He made amends with Nicole, the waitress. He said his priorities were messed up, and from now on, instead of being the boss, he's going to be a team player. He's going to jump in and ask people if they need help. He's going to do what needs to be done, and he thinks that he'll keep his commitment. Yep. Gordon wants to confirm one thing with the staff. They've got a good taste of how the restaurant can be, and comparing to his first experience, the difference was night and day. Tina says Gordon reinvented the restaurant and helped them get their spark back. Gordon says if they can't make this work, they're mad. They've got a potential gold mine on their hands that can make them successful. Robert says they're definitely on their way to success. Now they have to take the ball and run with it. Peter says he fell in love with Gordon. We'll name his first son after him. Yep. Gordon Ramsey. I forget what their last Piccarelli? name is. Something Pick like and, that. Pick, it's something with peas something and Italian. Ellie's. Gordon says that if the family can stay committed to each other, the restaurant will be successful. But they need to stop fighting. The end. The and end. I have an update. Oh, because good. I was just like, okay, so what happened to the restaurant? So the update is that Peter's closed in December of 2008. Now oh, remember, no. this aired in 2007 <laughs> because it would they were too far gone. They just were too far gone. Yeah. So it turns out the article that I read says it turns out that Peter was involved with the mafia, but he had a falling out with the mob. Oh no! And. We don't really know where Peter and Tina are at this point. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. So they actually, the post office was next door to the restaurant and has absorbed the restaurant. So the post office expanded out. Oh, wow. Into what was the restaurant. Just. (laughs) Gordon did his best, but they still couldn't make it go. Wow. Yeah. Sad. 
But yeah, it flew. Oh yeah, I love this show. Yeah. I love Gordon Ramsay. I love all the drama. I love the restaurant stuff. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, it flew for me too. I love Gordon Ramsay and everything that he does. Yeah, and I love seeing him deal with awful people because he just does not take it. He doesn't allow that at all. And I love to watch, you know, something flip around, apparently, even if it doesn't last very long. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny that um, I guess it was maybe a year ago I started rewatching these. Mm-hmm. And after every episode, I would do the up, you know, I would look up to see if they were still going. And I want to say a good 95 percent of the restaurants that he went into shut. Probably they shut that down. wouldn't surprise me. And it's not his fault. Nope, he did it's everything. That these he could. people suck. Yep. You know, they wouldn't have been in that predicament in the first place. Yep. And they just don't do well. There was one, I think, the girl was, I forget what it was. It was like in some fancy part of California. And the girl really wasn't a um like a restaurant person, but she was a businesswoman. And so she knew how to run a business. And he came in and helped with the restaurant side of the thing. And she actually made it a going concern. Wow. And, and, but that was like one out of the however many were in a season that actually stayed open. Yeah. Any length of time. Hmm. Yeah. We should break our rule and do the Garrettsville episode of Mission Impossible. Oh, or whatever we that should. Restaurant Impossible. Yeah. Restaurant Impossible. Yes. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Because we haven't been in, I haven't been in there since they did that. Oh, I have. Did they change the floor? I heard that the floor changed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we should do that. We should absolutely do that. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, Kitchen Nightmares flies. And if you can find it, the UK version is really good, too. Hmm. For sure. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Love you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. To support us, please leave a positive review and follow us on Instagram at underscore willitfly. If you have an idea about a show you'd like us to watch, you can email us at willitflyinfo at gmail.com.